Thank you, Leanne. And uh, yes, good morning. Congratulations on making it here through the snow. And I, you're, you might have been one of those cars that's been snowed in all week and you made it out. So it's awesome to be here with you. I want to start with a bit of a story. Uh, in the spring of 2008, I found myself at a camp uh, at a place called Rocky Mountain House, Alberta. I believe there's a slide about that. I was with 100 or so university students from Alberta, Saskatchewan, and we were there uh, in our annual uh, Bible study retreat. And so I was a new staff member in this organization called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And um, it was our annual camp, as I said. And so you wouldn't believe, but after a full year of university studies, students want to gather, of course, the lake, the, the horse riding, the awesome adventures are great. But they gather around studying the gospel, the life of Jesus. And some of these sessions, are, there's like six to eight hours of Bible study in a day, uh, different sessions. And so you, that might surprise you, but it's just amazing to see and be with students who are hungry for God and hungry to put his life into practice. So during these camps, uh, reading the words of Jesus, we just also found it challenging as we integrated all these new things in our lives. But one of the mornings, one of the passages challenged me, surprised me, and made me a little bit nervous. And these are the words of Jesus that I read. Jesus says, But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Okay, so in... 2008, I'd probably really read those words before, but to be honest, I, I probably glossed them over. The topic of fasting was not a go-to topic for me to search up and try to practice. So that when I read that verse, when you fast, it really got my attention. I would have been okay with when you pray, when you give. But fasting, I'd, I'd honestly never tried it, except maybe before a surgery or a blood test, you know, you have to fast. But for for spiritual reasons, I'd never done it. But that week, reading Jesus' words, trying to put them into practice, I felt something shift inside of me. I I felt an invitation from Jesus. He was offering me something. So that was happening in me. And around the same time, a student I was there with named Natasha, a nursing student, something was happening in her. So in one of our, our sessions, she wanted to come forward. We'd been reading about prayer. And she wanted to come forward and ask, for physical healing. And in fact, it was physical healing over her chronic condition of diabetes. So I felt, okay, this is a long shot, right? This is a chronic condition. But hey, wanting to be faithful to Jesus, we, we laid hands, we, we prayed, we added our, our, our words, our energy to that. And um, I just found my, my spirit raised. Like, can I trust God for things like this? So that was happening for me that week. And then the weeks following, I just felt God's invitation. Like, Mike, would you continue to pray for your friend Natasha? And would you can add fasting to that? Because we'd been reading that, that fasting and prayer often go together. And so what happened in me was that for the weeks after and the months after, I continued praying for Natasha and slowly and surely this whole routine of praying and fasting started to, to blend together. And it became a habit in my life, a practice that's with me right up till today. So the spiritual discipline of fasting. It's where we're at in this series 
on the, the spiritual practices in a digital age. So I want to invite us today to this topic. We're going to share some stories. We're going to look at scripture and talk about it. But to start off, I'd actually like to have a little bit of group participation. So I, I found an online survey site just to ask you how... Do we fast? How do we fast? So it's all anonymous. So if you want to participate, you can actually pull out your phone and you can, the the details are there on the website. You can go to a website. It's called menti.com. Maybe just advance the slide to that. So menti.com. And if you punch in that code, which is 72510191, it'll just ask, you could answer three simple questions. It'll just be like, I've never fasted or I occasionally fast, or I actually make fasting a regular habit. So you can go ahead and you can enter your one response, and then near the end of the sermon, we're going to see what fasting is like for us. Okay, let's leave it for another minute there so everyone gets it. You'll see a picture of Simon Cowell there giving you a thumbs. It's not working. Oh, lovely. Love when that happens. <laughs> So that maybe the code doesn't work? Oh, Don says we should raise our hands. (laughs) I think we'll just do that survey in our hearts then. Um, Before the Lord and after listening, you can decide if you want to fast or not. So I'm sorry that apparently it does not work. Um, But what I wanted to do is, as we go on and talk about fasting, I want to try and build a rationale that the spiritual practices are important in our life and essential to our spiritual and physical well-being. Because if our digital age uh, seeks... Oh, new code. Okay, go back to (laughs) menti.com, sermon paused, enter that code and see if it works. Yeah, it's working? Okay, okay. We won't have to resort to the hand raising. (laughs) Okay, go ahead and uh, enter, your, enter your result there, and we'll look at that at the end. So as I was saying, in our, in our digital age, the, the world, our society, competes for and actually pays billions for our attention. Um, and it's, it's seeking, honestly, to, to form us into their image, into an image that suits corporate goals, so that you can be a product to buy and sell. So if that's happening in our digital age, I think it's just even more important to have other practices, spiritual practices, that would actually tune our attention to the image of God, to becoming like Jesus. I just think it's critically important. Because the, the, the spiritual practices, what they do is, is they involve our, our whole self in the pursuit of God. Because there's some philosophy in Western thinking, and an author named James K.A. Smith says it like this, that this philosophy would think to say that maybe us as humans, we are just brains on a stick, just thinking beings, thinking creatures. And this lines up really well with a a philosopher in the 1600s called René Descartes during the dawn of, of Western enlightenment who said, I think, therefore I am. And so we in the Western world are set up to, to live our lives just in our minds and not engage our bodies. And so I can admit that this was probably the default setting in my life, as it probably is for many of you. It's just the water we swim in. 
And yet in these last few years, I have come through, through reading and experience to believe and experience that in fact, God is interested in our whole being. That in fact, this Christian faith is holistic, involving our, our whole body and our mind and our spirit. There are no separations like we might be led to believe. And so that shouldn't surprise us because Jesus is the God, in fact, who, who came and moved into our neighborhood, who, who put on flesh, who lived in a body and then said things like, when you pray, when you fast. He was doing this and he was inviting us to do this with him. And so there is no more physically involved uh, spiritual practice as fasting. And so I've discovered it, it offers many, many benefits and I want to just explore what is it. I read a quote that said, fasting is like a mini death, which can lead to bursts of new life. So what is it? What are the benefits? So I want to talk about that and actually give a bit of a disclaimer up front. So first of all, what is fasting? So literally, fasting is going without food for a period of maybe a day or part of a day or multiple days in a row. So that's what fasting is, and it, it helps us seek a closer connection God, to God. So then we can say, well, then what is fasting not? So I thought of three things. Fasting is not a kind of holy dieting. So sometimes we diet for our health, which is good, and, and yet other times we, we may diet to sort of shape and reshape our external image. And so if, if, if fasting is or if dieting is for how people see us, fasting, in fact, is how we see God and how we see God's world. So it's, a, it's an inner shaping rather than outer shaping. So fasting also is not a productivity tool. You may have heard that executives or athletes uh, advocate intermittent fasting. Has any, you may have tried that, intermittent fasting. So it can be good for productivity, good for physical health. So the kind of fasting we're talking about is not primarily that for productivity. And lastly, the disclaimer, I would say fasting from food is not for everyone. So for various reasons, going without food medically may not be good for you. Or um, leaning in with, with too much food or too little food may actually be very triggering for some people based on conditions they've had. So if you are to engage in fasting, uh, consulting a doctor or a counselor may be a very wise thing to do. So again, let's go back to what fasting is. I'd like to suggest that fasting helps us to hunger for God and for the things God is hungry for. In fact, it invites us to, to evaluate what are we really hungry for. It's likely the most neglected spiritual practice in the church today. And so as we talk about it, I, wanna, I want you to hear that this is by invitation. It's not going to be a show of hands. It's, it's not, uh, not by guilt, not by compulsion. So let's dive in. I want to reread our scripture and just sort of dive in. What is Jesus saying about fasting? So this is what it says in Matthew's gospel. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So there we have it. As Jesus is talking about fasting, 
one of the things he says is the people following him may already have fasting as a discipline in their lives. So in verse 16, he, he needs to start out by speaking how not to fast. And so apparently in their day, it, it was maybe a thing people did to disfigure their faces and really put on appearances to appear pious. So Jesus uses the harsh word and says, don't do that. Don't be a hypocrite who's pretending to be something outside that you're not inside. And so apparently this conflict with fasting was happening even up to the Middle Ages. Uh, The church had to, in fact, make rules about how often you're allowed to fast, only three times a week. So apparently in the Middle Ages, people were flirting with fasting and had to be reined in. The Old Testament shows us that fasting is used in various ways. It was used for times of national prayer, maybe facing a crisis. In a very famous passage in Isaiah 58, it says this, and it ties our fasting with social action. So this is what those verses say. Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood? So this this passage about fasting, these ancient words, makes clear that when we do it, we actually get invited to tune into God's heart for justice. I love this quote by Tyler Staten. He's a pastor in Portland at Bridgetown Church, and he says this about fasting. Through fasting, I willingly discomfort my body in a way that other people are unwillingly discomforted. It's going to be very hard to develop empathy without a sacrificial practice by which I'm training myself to love the poor. Training ourselves through fasting. So in our, in our digital age of rampant consumerism and immediate gratification, fasting is going to offer us some training training in empathy for those in need, training to actually be the hands and feet of Jesus in a hurting world. So as we do it, if we're considering engaging in it, we should be able to answer the question, how am I doing it to honor God? So I'd like to suggest two things about fasting. One, that it's about relationship, and that two, it's about surrender. Relationship with our creator who calls himself our provider and who draws near to us. And surrender of our power and control in favor of God's power and control. So first, a little bit more on relationship. In the Matthew, in the Matthew passage, which we've read, it's clear that Jesus is, is talking about something. He's saying, go about your day. Go engage in fasting, but you know, put oil on your head. Shower, dress up, go to work. Live your day. And do your fasting in secret with, with relationship with your father in mind. And this points to that a secret, special, deeper relationship with the father. So as I read this, I wonder, could that be said of my relationship with the father? Could it be said of, of your relationship? So perhaps through fasting, it's one of these keys. God's going to invite us into that deeper relationship. We could end up like the writer of Psalm 103 who says, praise the Lord. All my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. And so what if that, building that kind of faith, is what fasting is about? Compelling ourselves to be more hungry for who God is and what God is about than even the food we eat.
Secondly, fasting is about surrendering our own power and control. So I don't know about you, but when I've tried fasting, I find that my body is like living with a big baby. It's sort of clamoring and clawing for food. Have you ever spent a time with maybe a toddler who's hungry and needs a nap? I'm sure you have, and some of you may today. Or have you ever been with friends or family, someone who's hangry, hungry and angry? I don't know, it happens to me, and it's not pretty. So in the face of that kind of opposition, our body throws us this kind of opposition. My stomach growls when I'm fasting. I feel cold, and every signal just says, Mike, eat. You can, you can get relief by eating. So on those days when I'm experiencing that, I find that fasting gives my, my, my mind and my spirit a chance to be actually the parent over my brain and the body, just like we would do with a toddler. So though on fasting days, my, my body will, will whine for food and, and want to break the fast, my mind and my spirit have a chance to say, you know, let's hold on. Let's, let's wait and see what will God do in this period we've decided. So it teaches me to surrender to God's control over my body and not to, act, in fact, let the physical needs of my body control how I live. And so I think there's two areas of surrender that feel really important to me. And one is technology. And so in this digital age, there may be nothing more uh, powerful to learn to fast from than our technology. I heard a CBC story this last week, and they were talking about asking the question, should we treat phone addiction like we treat other addictions? It caught my attention, and it's really made me reflect. Because these devices are, in fact, designed with scientists and psychologists working together to, in fact, foster, they may not call it addiction, but engagement. It really is engaging. And so fasting from them, I think, is important. So I've heard a couple different levels could be quite healthy for us. So the 30 minutes right before bed and 30 minutes right after you wake up, they suggest, so like a, treat it like a mini fast, just no devices. You're not touching them. You're not thinking about them. You could do it even longer. You could maybe go uh, on your Sabbath, if you take a Sabbath, uh, half the day or the full 24 hours without this device. Or perhaps on an annual holiday, you could say, you know what, I'm going to try for like three days, five days, no devices. Because I think what happens is we learn to fast from this stuff. Uh, Physically, these devices spike our our cortisol and other stress hormones because we get so engaged by them. So in fact, fasting from them lets our our brain and our body relax and just experience that, that humanness. The next area of surrender that I have found striking when I do fasting has to do with sexuality. So back to that 2008 period, as I said, I I began learning about prayer and fasting. I would do it once a week. And what I found is that on fasting days and the days after, that, you know, if if I'd struggled in areas of sexual desire, fasting somehow spoke to that. And so whether I would face lust or loneliness, I found that fasting and the practice of fasting gave me new tools, a new type of message to my brain and my body. So whether I was facing uh, temptation and tempted to to use sex or relationship with others, I found that, in fact, God was inviting me to his presence. He's training me and has trained me through fasting to run to him for relationship. 
And this would be true in the history of the church. There's a quote I found by an early church leader called St. Basil who says this. Fasting is a safeguard of the soul, a stabilizing companion to the body, a weapon for the brave, a discipline for champions. Fasting knocks over temptations and anoints for godliness. It is a companion of sobriety, the crafter of a sound mind. So I've found that by meeting with God during fasting, he actually refocuses what we really need rather than just what we think we need and what we, we just want. We learn to run to him for satisfaction. I think it helps us learn to say what the writer of Psalm 23 says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. And I don't know about you, but for a human to say, I don't need a thing, that's, that's something. That is a, is a spiritual milestone. So as we sort of go towards wrapping up, I want to do two things. I want to have a, invite a couple people up for a story, and then we'll share some tools after that. So I'd like to invite Sam and Leanne. Uh, you've, you've met Sam, or Leanne, and you, you'll meet Sam. They are together as a couple, and I've just been really enjoying getting to know you guys and hearing about your spiritual journey. So would you share with us? Thank you, Pastor Mike and everyone, for allowing us this opportunity to share with you from our personal experience um, of fasting. We, we regularly fast. I would say every year we dedicate a few times to fast, but we're also still on this journey of exploring more, and we've not mastered it, um, and we are just excited to share with you what we have so far. Yeah, thanks, Pastor Mike, for this opportunity to share a little bit. Um, I think when you originally asked us to share something, the question that Leanne and I just started discussing was, why do we fast? Why should someone fast? And what does that look like in your life? And, um, you know, statistically, why do we do anything like New Year's resolutions? We're the third week of January. Statistically, 91% of us have given up already. So what makes us push forward with these fasts? And I think often it's about... um, we're looking for something, some sort of reciprocation from God. But what we actually find is a much more, a deeper relationship. We find someone and not something. And so um, it's an investment. And when you put that investment in, there's a big reward. But we can't guarantee what that reward will be. Um, We want to share a couple examples of the times in our lives that we have fasted together. Uh, Before getting married, we really wanted to be intentional about our identity in Christ and our own relationship as single people uh, in in Christ before our union together. We fasted before the arrival of our two children. Um, It's a major new chapter of life, and we wanted to have a time dedicated to refocusing and relying on God as he prepares us into a new stage of life. There, there's a time where our, we fasted as a family, uh, with Sam's family specifically, where we are praying through several things, but we each took a day of the, of the week that we dedicated as uh, fasting, as a, our fasting time. So every single day of the week, someone in our family is fasting, and, and we're um, praying through a common uh, thing with God. 
There are also several times in our lives we felt things were just out of control. Um, we, we have jobs now, but uh, Sam and I are also entrepreneurs, so we have a couple startups together, and we are also artists. Um, so there are a lot of times where we face uh, feast or famine, a lot of times it's more famine than feast. And so these are the times where things are unknown and things are uncertain. And the only constant we have is God and our relationship with God. And we've seen God um, push, push us into a place where we're totally dependent on him. And we've seen some very tangible breakthroughs through that. Yeah, another area is when Leanne and I started dating, um, I was a bit older to uh, to get married, and I, it was the first time I'd met someone who said to me, I said, you know, Leanne, I feel like it's I'm being called to fast, and she said, oh, well, I'll fast with you, and I was totally taken by surprise by that, because I said, no, no one's ever said that to me. I, I dated people uh, that had gone to church before, but no one said to me, let's fast together, let's agree together and do this together, and it was the first time I had actually thought, wow, this is someone that I should be considering as my future partner, as my wife, because no one's ever said, let's uh, agree in prayer and fasting to move this forward. You know, the scope of our fasts have been kind of all over the place, but we've kind of narrowed it down. We typically do what's called uh, a Daniel fast, which is a 21-day fast. We do no meat and no sweets for 21 days. Some people add in coffee. Um, I'm not trying to get, like, you know rocks thrown at me, but do, do what's comfortable for you. For, for me, what I do is I actually, as Pastor Mike said, I actually cut out all social media. So if you think about what social media is, when you go onto Instagram or, or Facebook or whatever platform you like, you're watching someone who's called an influencer. That's literally what they're called. They're called influencers and they're influencing you for whatever amount of time you're watching them for. And you're actually called a follower. You're following that person, and you're following their example. Now, the average uh, Gen Z person spends seven to nine hours a day on their phone with 600 phone flips to check notifications per day, per 24-hour period. So that means I don't know how you do anything else if you're on their phone for seven to nine hours a day. It's, it's really difficult to accomplish anything. Your productivity will go through the roof if you just take time off from social media. Um, uh, so it's devotional time, prayer together, and trying to cut out a bit of the noise that we face on a day-to-day basis. A few things that we really experience as we fast, um, there are a couple of things. Uh, first, we experience a greater sensitivity to the Spirit's leading. Um, as we cut out some of the noise, it's really that small, still voice that we are still to hear. Um, we, we are uh, more tentative to these leading of the Spirit. And sometimes we see breakthroughs uh, in our relationships, uh, in the challenges that we face, both like in our business, uh, in our day to day, and sometimes we see God work powerfully, uh, miraculously, intangibly as we as we um, fast and pray. Uh, but this is not the goal of our fast; is is the byproduct of continually relying on the Spirit. And uh, another thing we notice is that whenever we fast, 
it's a spiritual practice. So we're engaged with the spiritual realm. And whenever we take a stand and moving forward and, and taking a stand to say we are going to work on our relationship with you, God, it feels like as though the enemy is not happy. And, and we find ourselves being short with one another. We find ourselves being more prone to arguments. Sometimes we're in the middle of an argument that seems so minuscule and it just got blown out of proportion. We're like, wait a second, we're fasting. We're, we're sensitive, um, in a sensitive state. And so I want to encourage you to not be surprised if as you fast, you find you find that there are things that are irritating you that's, that you don't normally become irritated. As Pastor Mike said, some of our senses become more heightened. And that is a confirmation that we're moving into the right um, direction with our relationship with God. Yeah, husbands, be prepared for additional correction during fasting. Um, it's a, a time of growth. Um, and and stillness, um, yeah. We've we've definitely had to um, become more flexible during times of fasting, uh, especially now we have two kids, and we don't want it to be a legalistic practice. We're not trying to say you know uh, nothing else matters. Just just last month we were fasting, and our daughter Jericho, uh, who you saw gave the uh, release to Children's Church, said um, it was her birthday in the middle of our fast, and we said you know. We're inviting 25 people, our family, our friends. Let, let's make sure that we enjoy this day and we'll add an additional day to our fast. This is just our practice so that we're not excluding these special days for our kids. Um, um, and sometimes, you know, unintentionally, we will just, you know, we'll do something that doesn't align with our fast. And, and, and that's a moment to reflect as well that, you know, it brings you back to a place of stillness where you're saying, okay, we're doing this for a reason. And you will see uh, a genuine a transaction happen with with your relationship with God. Um, we continue to be open-handed with our fasts. Um, it, it's amazing what happens when you honor this this small thing. There's areas where you can serve God, and you know tithing, for instance. Pastor Mike said fasting is probably one of the least practiced, but I, I think it's probably a tie with tithing because that's a real test of faith. All of these things, if you fast. God will push you. you. Your faith will grow. And one of my favorite speakers, Pastor Tim Keller, who, um, he said, God will ask from you more than you ever thought you would have to give, but he'll give you more than you ever thought you would have to ask for. Thank you. Round of applause. Thanks so much, guys. I find your words really encouraging. Real people I know actually also fast, so thank you for sharing. And so that's been my hope here today is that you've heard a lot of words. I probably said the word fast more times in a sentence than I've said ever before, but hopefully so that it's practical, so that you walk away, maybe memories sort of lodged on like, I think I could try that. I don't know. So if that's you, I want to just give yourself grace, and I want to give you just a few uh, last tips before we end. Um, first of all, Matt, I was going to ask, do we have that survey ready? <clears throat> okay, so here we go. In our congregation, 37% have never fasted. 54% occasionally fast, 
and 9% regularly fast. That, that's pretty good. Well done. Um, so it's a spectrum of experiences, and that's what I love. And that's, I think, just true in the church. We have this, we're all on a journey learning uh, God's invitation to, to try new things, to grow, to, to be more like him. So the last three things I want to say, if you are going to attempt fasting, is duration, scheduling, and learning. So for duration, over the years, I've experimented with 24 hours. So like I eat Sunday dinner, and then I eat Monday dinner. So the daytime of Monday, I'm fasting. But maybe just skipping lunch would be a great way into it, a great way to start. So pick a duration. Then schedule it. Pick a day of the week. So for me, I've been trying Mondays, and um, it's a work day. So at first, I was like, I can't do it on a work day. I'll just be wrecked. But I've actually learned to, to make it part of my work day, and I find that it can be a special work day, a lot more focus, a little bit of time to pray at lunch, um, go for a walk perhaps. So it can really be a reflective, very productive work day. And then lastly, learning. So I want to suggest the resources of something I mentioned before called Practicing the Way. So practicingtheway.org. It's this organization that's fairly new. It's a lot like Alpha. They make video resources, uh, podcasts, books. And so they've got a four-week module on fasting. And it's designed for you as an individual or a family or a life group to go through this together. And you could learn about it, try it, and have a team of people that is saying, we're actually trying to learn this together. So again, as we conclude, I just want to offer that I think as we do any of the practices, and maybe particularly this one, God wants to reshape us. He wants to renew us in ways, like as Tim Keller said, it's just that we wouldn't have planned for. We didn't thought, think God wants to do that in us. Because he, he's, through all time, wants relationship with him to come first. The creator of the universe wants to be in relationship with us, which I find astounding. And that invitation involves the surrender, the surrender of our power and control so that he can be the one with the power and control. He can be the God of the universe in our lives, our provider, so that we don't have to be. And I think to that end, fasting helps us. So let's pray together as we end, and then we'll continue to worship. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this timeless word on this fairly unfamiliar practice in our day. Lord, would you tune us to hear your voice? Would you recalibrate our hearts to worship you? And would you use these spiritual practices, including fasting, to direct our gaze towards you and to, to have that secret sacred relationship with you become the most important thing in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.